What's up, y'all? What's up? And we are back. Welcome to Truck and Hustle Tuesdays. I'm your host, Ramel. Um, we have a really, really, really dope show for you today. As always, Mrs. Erica Williams, a.k.a. Erica Classy Climb, six-figure YouTuber, fleet owner, real estate investor. What doesn't she do? Um, you know, Erica comes on the show today, brings us a whole lot of value, a whole lot of game. So y'all definitely do not want to miss it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, you know, housekeeping items. If you're new here, make sure you are following all of our socials at Truck and Hustle. Um, you know, definitely make sure you're doing that. Also, I need y'all to rate and review the show. We need those ratings. We need those reviews. Please um, go over to Apple and make sure you are rating and reviewing the show. If you love it, tell us you love it. If you hate it, uh, you probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> All right, but yeah, um, you know, dope show today, y'all. So let's get into it, man. You know the deal. Put your ears on, and if you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Let's go. What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley. And welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I just didn't have enough time last year to truly analyze it, Got right? You. And this is where scaling comes in. This is where having a staff comes into place and having a staff person, employees don't cost you anything. And I'm gonna say that again, employees don't cost you anything. And mm. there's gonna be somebody like, no, 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 no. Yes, you running ragged. You about to wear yourself out. You about to have a stroke out here. Right. Running around trying to do all these things in your business. It was never meant for you to do that. Prime example, have a job. Your job is just something your boss didn't want to do. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Man, I have been been tracking you down for um, some time now. You know, trying trying to get you on the show. But you are you are so busy. You're either at a, a conference or a coffee shop somewhere. <laughs> that's, I mean? that's pretty much been the life for 2019. That's a fact. We're in a new year now. That's a fact. That's a fact. So I'm I'm glad to have you. Welcome to the show, Miss Erica Classy Klein. So um so um just just to go over some of your accolades really fast, and and, and just to let the people who don't know about you know about you. Um, you were just named um, Black Wealth Renaissance 2019 Top 30 African-American Entrepreneurs to Follow, right? Six-figure yep. YouTuber, um, fleet owner. You have 12 trucks. Um, real estate investor, Yep. right? Nine properties. You're an author, mm -hmm. right? It's author. more than nine, but we're going to keep, we're going to tell for the, for the record. We'll, 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 okay, okay, <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll talk about it. Online marketer, right? Um. Yep. What 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 did I miss, man? What I mean, what don't you do, man? You know, it, it didn't start out that way. It's it's a lot that we uh, we put our foot in, 
but uh, it was always the goal to be an investor, mm. right? So all these things just open doors to that. Okay. Okay. Every little step of the way opened the door to that. So you know, you'd be like, "Man, you an author?" I'm like, "Yeah, I wrote a book." Yeah, you did. Yeah, it just it just ended up adding on a way to give more people value. Okay. And reach more people, right? Because oh. people always say books. Who's reading books? A lot of people. I wake up every day and I got book sales. There you go. So yeah, of all the books, uh, you know. So it's just one of those things where, you know, it, you start in one one direction and other doors open. Got you. Got you. Understood. So let, let's start from the beginning. Um, you know, for people who don't know your story, tell us a little bit about yourself. So a lot of people uh, will be like, oh, man, that's Erica Williams from the Classic Climb blog. You know, that's how I start all my shows. Right. Uh, but what ended up happening is I, I have a, my mother did 26 years in the Army, moved around some, went to, uh, lived in Alaska, lived in some other states. It was great. Mostly North Carolina, right? Okay. Uh, so then, so then, you know, I'm in North Carolina. I have a brick and mortar coffee shop because, you know, sadly, my, my father and my grandmother died in the same year. Leave me some money. Okay. Right? So I always make the guests aware of that. Okay. And if you know anything about inheritance, the average person with no matter the size of the inheritance will spend it in nine months. Mm, that's a fact. So that's just for the record that no matter if it's millions or not, or right. it's just 20,000, it's going to be gone in about nine months. Right. That's right, the, right. the average. Okay. Okay. So I get that. I started a coffee shop across from a historically black college, uh, federal state university in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It was fun. It was dope. I enjoyed it. Uh, what ended up happening though, like many things, uh, the state had decided to fix the roads. They okay. had decided to fix the roads. And so students really couldn't get good access to the coffee shop. And so okay. me and a couple other businesses closed down over there. So that prompted me, as well as not getting married to somebody. You know, I had to counsel a wedding on somebody. Okay, that's just the past. <laughs> okay. I okay. flipped the coin. I said, I'm going to go to Austin, Texas, or I'm going to go to Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. One of the two. Okay. It don't matter which one, one of them, we're going to make it do what it do, right? Okay. So I made that decision and I get to Colleen, I get to Harker Heights, really Colleen, where the sales company was. And I was like, this is not Austin. I got to get closer. Right. I got to get to where Austin is. And so I get over to Austin and I, I was talking with somebody and it was a group of us. And we're like, yeah, we're going to start YouTube channels. We're going to do all this. Out of the six people, only I. I'm the only one who fell through the uh, field with the dream. Mm. Now, what prompted me to start my YouTube channel is I would talk to people and I talk about my family on the rental properties and the farm and, and they'd be military people. And people were looking at me like, what? <laughs> Brown people doing all that? Right, right, right. <laughs> That's the best way to say it, right? That's the yeah. best way, nice way to say it, PCA. There you go. And I'd be like, yeah. And so I would be answering all these questions and they'd be so surprised. And I was like, you know what? I've answered the same, you know, questions five, six, seven different ways. Mm -hmm. And I just started recording videos on like books I read, lessons I've learned from my family. And it just really um, connected with people. And I'm glad it did. Mm. So the big launch at the time for me would really like change the direction. I was doing consulting calls here and there, here and there. But all of a sudden, my, my boy, Andre Hatchett was like, hey, hey, man, you want to come over here to, uh, you know, Dr. Boyce Watson's channel? Uh, just it was just one it was an interview I did with Juan Pablo 100% finance and okay. they had wanted to post it and I was like well thanks I appreciate that you know just put my consult link at the bottom right and from that one post I had 600 consult calls in a row paid wow wow and uh now to this date I've had 6,000 plus but it when you get on the phone with people 
surprisingly, a lot of people's lives are a lo- very similar, very mm. similar, very same, same problems, nervous, scared about their family finding out they want to do something different than everybody else. But a lot of times business is simple. It's, it's, it's us who get in the way. Right. 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 So, right. And I realized at that point, too, the sky is the limit. Like there's no limits on how you can grow your business, how big of a business you can do. There's just no limits on it. Gotcha. It can go anyway. Right. So. Got you. Now, when you were doing the consulting, what were you consulting on specifically when you first started? So when it first started, I would explain to people our family farm structure. I would explain uh, starting a business, the simple stuff like LLCs, get your business bank account, you know, hear how to set up your blog, your website. And it was stuff to me that was simple. But to other people, it was like, oh, my God, I ain't never thought about this. I've never done it. Gotcha. Um, to this day, every day I get on the phone, people, I'm absolutely mind, mind blown at how many 20 and 30 year olds don't really work computers like you think they would. Right. It, it, you know, it's a, it's a niche within a niche, right? And right. I know people don't want to believe that, but it's the truth. Like there's a lot of people are that are young, I would consider young, not know how to work a computer. Right. You know? So Right. So you said you started a coffee shop first when you got your inheritance. What mm-hmm. gave you the um I guess the guts to start a business at that time? Did you have any other entrepreneur experience? Um I was an entrepreneur kind of kid though. Okay. It wasn't even just that, like, oh, man, I got this inheritance, so I'm going to go wild. It was more of a, like, my personality was already in that direction. Okay. And I don't think my family knew how to exactly nurture it, right? Okay. So, so it was like, oh, okay, cool, coffee shop. Now, when I came across the guy who roasted the beans locally in, te- uh, uh, in North Carolina, like, he was in Aber- Aberdeen, he was like, look, hun, this is what you need to do. You need to get on the internet. You need to sell these beans on Amazon and online. At the time, I'm like, Amazon? Online? <laughs> it, to me, it right. was porn, right? I'm like, right. nah, man, this is like right when it just started. Like, I'm talking about 2011, okay. 2010, 2011. Okay. So I was like, 2010? Who buying coffee online? <laughs> but I know that was like the start of all these like coffee and tea people who had physical coffee shops, but they knew the real money. The real money was when you sold it online, right? You had this cult following. They'd automatically, re, you know, keep buying more bags. They'd keep renewing monthly subscription kind of thing. And I missed that whole trend because mm. I was like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared enough to understand it, right? I wasn't prepared enough to hear it and understand what he was saying to me. And he was more than willing to sit down because he was a veteran, and all he could think of is, is if he had, you know, he'd sit down with me and walk me through it. Uh, that he, he like that was his good deed because he knew my mom was a veteran. Okay. You know, I was getting ready to retire or something like that. So. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just interested. So take help. When people want to give it to you, take it. For sure. I'm, I'm just staying with the coffee business thing. I'm interested. What, what type of profits did you make when you were doing the coffee business? I'm just interested in, in that type of business I, model. For sure. So if you, if you have a coffee shop, the real profit is um, when you buy the beans, getting the best price on beans, right? So for me, I didn't even realize how blessed we were. We had a, a roaster down the street. He made okay. us unique blends. He could put certain oils on the beans because he got the beans raw and then he was roasting them there. And he was 45 minutes down the street, right? Well, yeah. like more like 30. Okay. And I was getting the best prices. I just didn't understand, right? So let's say um, at the end of the day, um, a bag of coffee is $10, right? But really because I'm getting it from a home sale, it's really $8 or even $5 for me, right? Okay. And then I make drip coffee which is really, you know, we're only making this, you know what I mean? We're only using many beans out of the bag at a time or one of those really big drip coffees. And I'm across from a college campus. So professors sometimes would come over and get drip coffee. Now okay. they're paying $3 a cup, 
but that really cost me 20 cents if that wow wow if you if you really break the math down closer to 10 cent but on drip coffee super cheap now then you're talking about even espresso i used to do this thing with the students that drove them wild like i do milkshakes but i would put espresso in the milkshakes mm. so it'd be like ice cream blended with a shot of espresso and kids would be like i gotta have that milkshake and i'd be like no nah, it's not the milkshake dude it's the espresso <laughs> <laughs> that you love and that's in it that's right. what's really like hitting you right right um and so uh, that was that but but at the end of the day like I learned so much, right? We had great artwork. My mom had found artwork from Alabama, this painting shop. You know, we had great tables and chairs. Like a lot of people had feedback, but there was always people, and it was kind of in the hood, but it was always people like, oh man, why are you trying to bring that over here, right? Got you. And it'd be like, because these kids and these people deserve nice coffee shops and places to study and do work too. Right, right. right and in, sure. the, in the end, it was, yeah, I took a ton of photos. There's still some on Facebook where we have kids sitting in there studying. I have a full house. I used to have, um, and, and this is all in Facebook. Y'all can all Google this. Um, I used to have a comedy show come in. Okay. The comedy show kicked off so big that they started being able to be in the theater downtown. Okay. So, like, anybody in that group of guys, Jules, all of them, they can all, like, show you old pictures from 2010 and 11 where they were doing the beginning of their sketch show, comedy show in there. Okay. Well, then from that coffee shop, I also kicked off the Sand Hills Film Festival. Okay. In Fayetteville, North Carolina. So, so I was doing a lot of things there. And if I had followed what, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but if I had followed what he told me to do about the Amazon and online coffee part of it, I would have probably still been in business mm -hmm. from the online sales really heavy. Right. And also I'd been able to continue the film festival and just, just really grow in the community because I, I'm a big believer, like wherever you're, you're at, be rooted. Right. Like do do things, grow, build, you know, build a community, like build something that's consistent. And and when and just being honest, when I decided to cancel my wedding and the coffee shop was getting ready to close, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start a new somewhere else. Right. And so it was a it was a combination thing. Got you, got you. So you said um one important thing. You said you're an investor. When I was naming, you know, yeah. kind of naming off the different businesses that you're involved mm -hmm. in, you're an investor. How do you decide on what businesses you're going to invest in? What do you look at? It, do I, can I understand it? Can I explain it to you? Can I see the potential? So a lot of people get really drunk on ROI. Oh man, what's the ROI? Erica, tell me what's the return on my investment. And I'm like, see, I'm looking at it from a position of, and it's not like a talking down or anything. I'm looking at it from a position of, if I invest in these trucks, what door does that open potentially for me to do what? Own an authority in the future, have employees, or even get business loans, right? Mm, okay. Um, Part of the biggest struggle with the transportation industry is a lot of these companies are running on business lines of credit. Mm. So if they mismanage themselves, what's up? They go under. So it was something I learned as I got in the doors. Like uh, on my resume, I can say, "Man, I'm you know I'm the owner of 15 trucks. You know we have you know we work and partner with people to get all these trucks rolling." But when it comes to banks, they're like, "Yeah, but the transportation industry, hmm, you know, like they're not super excited to lend." They right. were only super excited once I got over the number of nine trucks. They were like, whoa, girl, what, what do you need? How much do you need? Now? Right, right, right. You need money? What do you need? Like now, now they want to talk to you. Right. So at, um, at that point, so, you were, you were proven and, and, and you had, you had history, you know, showing yeah. that you can, you had a successful business model. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, and then this is like, you got to think about it. And then just to the bank, this is not just one business. This is like my third business, right? Because right. the YouTube media stuff, that does heavy six figures, you know, at two different banks by itself, right? So then they're gotcha. like, where'd you get the money from to even get in a truck? 
then you show, oh, here's my other bank statements. Here's my other, you know, tax returns. Then they're like, oh, okay, what do you want? Got you. What do you got want? You. Got you. So, so I, I want to yeah. definitely dive into the YouTube stuff with you because you're an expert mm-hmm. at that. And I'm even interested in the YouTube space myself. So, you know, I definitely would like to talk about that. But let's just stick with the trucks for right now. Sure. Um, yeah. So why trucks? How'd you get into it? Tell me a little bit about that backstory of you getting into uh, fleet ownership. So I had this moment where I had been reading a lot of articles and I, and I'm not bragging, but I get up in the morning and I read about two to three hours, period, like articles, stories, something that I'm trying to focus on. I want to read about it, read up on it, be knowledgeable, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, so I had started reading all this stuff about trucks at the same time. Right. <laughs> and, and then I knew Hood Estates, I knew uh, Packy and Sandy and I knew them. And, and, and like, all of a sudden it was like, it hit me. I was reading like seven articles in a row where they had just did they had gave it gave 15,000 worker visas to Indian Hindu Indian uh, men to come drive trucks in America. Mm, okay. Now they didn't just do it in one year. They did it two years back to back. Now I just sat back and did the math. You got 30,000 uh, Sikh Indians. And I don't want to mess it up, but Sikh Indians coming here in their tradition um, to own is the, is the deal, right? That's, that's so now fact. you're talking about, if you got 30,000 people all own one truck a piece that's 30,000 positions in a marketplace. Yeah. Now, the two major articles I read, the one guy owns nine trucks and a truck stop, and they're all coming because they're hearing, man, you can come to America, be a truck driver, and make all this money, right? Like, so, so what's their thoughts? If the lead person that's always in the news is sitting here with nine trucks and a truck stop, let's do the math. All those seeking means, even if they're not being paid as much as some truck drivers with lots of experience, 30,000 guys all buy two trucks. What is that? That's 60,000 trucks. Six, right. 30,000 guys buy three trucks. That's 90,000 trucks. Wow. And guess what? You're out of an industry. Right. 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 I mean, even if you look at uh, a lot of guys were complaining about the hair test. And I thought, so, so what? What's the big deal? You're talking about thousands of people, white, black, whoever, being pushed out because they can't pass a hair test. Now, a lot of people can fake your analysis. That's right. between them and their job, right? Right. But that hair test, I, and I can t- test personally, when I tried to interview, I mean, I went, I did 400 and maybe 37 phone call, phone call interviews. Out of that 437, I had 40 veterans, black, white, and Hispanic, who were so excited. Like, yes, I want to come work with you. Great. And I said, oh, yeah, hey, when they started doing the pay, we started sending over information. Hey, man, I call you back. I just found out you got to do a hair test. Miss mm. oh, Williams, I can't work with you. <laughs> I can't work with you, Miss Wood. 40 guys. Oh, wow. Veterans, clean wow. cut, looking trim. That doesn't mean anything, but clean cut. Yeah. Veterans. I want to give them a shot. Black right. and white. Oh, right. hair test? Oh, I can't do it, Miss Wood. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is real. I understand now what people are saying about getting good drivers, right? So right. The, key, the key to what that conversation is, you're going to be, you don't have to be pushed out of a community you can push yourself out right mm, mm. you want to be a truck driver you want to make the most money possible but all of a sudden they change one factor and you can't pass that test yeah wow that's bad that is bad, bad right that is so bad. for me and and just being honest I, you know i don't know the demographics of your channel and that's okay um everybody black i know knows a driver how many black people know truck owners right right just honest right right yeah. Uh, not a ton, right? So even if we do the 10% rule, out of 3.5 million drivers in the United States, how many own 
actually owned their truck. Yeah, you yeah, know you're asking me. You said out of three point yeah, five million, how many own their truck? Yeah. Um, I don't know the number. It's three hundred eighty thousand. Three hundred eighty thousand. Wow. Okay. So basically ten yeah, percent. That's it's basically ten percent. Yeah. So so when I'm talking to guys and they're complaining about being paid a certain amount, insurance, I'm like, look, look, you don't own the truck. Right. You don't right. even own the instrument that you are getting paid through. Wow. Right. Um, wow. And so it, it's an ownership piece. So if you don't own the truck and I can, I can hop up and throw a hair test on you tomorrow, you're out of a job. Mm. And technically, you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it, the power is in ownership. The power is I drive when I want to. The power is guess what? I'm going to sit out for November. Cause I, cause I could do that. Right. That choice. Right. And so for me, I looked at the numbers I looked at the industry and I said, every time I step foot on a truck, semi-truck dealership, everybody that's out there buying trucks looks, does not look like me. Right. And now I'd even, I'd bump into some brothers. I'd be like, Hey, and then they'd be, they'd have a Caribbean accent. Then I bump into some brothers. Hey, you have an African accent. So again, when I say you, you won't be in an industry, I really mean that. Like I spent hours calling companies to work with and everybody was from Eastern Europe or they were African. And, and and I barely met. I mean, I, I'm not even joking. I don't. I never got on the phone with a American white guy who owned the dispatch, dispatching side or owned the third party company. Mm. Just didn't. It just didn't happen. I mean, mm. I called for dates. Right. So what that showed me is everybody's making money off this industry, but the lowest person who shouldn't be the lowest person, but technically is, is the driver. Right. So if you're a driver, right. you don't own your truck, you don't own your company, you know. You don't have much say in the way the industry changes other than being like, well, this company didn't treat me right, so I'm going to quit. Right. Okay, that, that works. You controlled right. your day, but they control the what? Year. Mm. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? That's powerful. Like, you fought for that day. You yeah. quit. Cool, great. Walked off, great. But guess what? They still going to have a great year. Right, and you have to go knock on somebody else's door to do the same thing over there again. There you go. There you go. There's mm. no power in that. Oh, man, Eric, I got skills. You do have skills. I'm not knocking you. Right. But the power is in control. I love that. I love that. I like that a lot. Um, all right. So 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 let's talk about it. You said you 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 crunched all these numbers, you read all this material, and you just kind of dove in. How did you get started? Did you get started with one truck? What was your process to get you into the game? So the the funniest part is uh I was working, you know, Hood Estates, I had bought their course. I was like, yeah, I bought their course, right? But I hadn't had time to watch it. I now made a priority. Okay. to watch it so okay. i'm at no lie i'm at a max maxwell event in houston it's a pop-up i'm like yeah i'm in the building and people kept walking up like hey i love your channel this guy walks up and says yo i watched your channel talking about his stage product i bought it went out that day the next very next day went to navy federal got a forty thousand dollar line of credit got the truck the next day called up this company they had a driver the driver came and met me with his bag and now my truck's on the road Okay. And I'm sitting there like, like, hold up, <laughs> hold up, what? And he did it all within a less than a week, almost a week and a half. Wow. So had the LC, had every, and, and all I could say is, and he was like, how's your truck doing? So you sleeping. And I hadn't bought any trucks yet. <laughs> right, And I right, was right. like, oh, that's embarrassing, right? <laughs> right, like, right, right, I'm out here sure. talking about them. I'm bigging them up. And they, I didn't even uh, finish the course, right? So at that point, I'm immediately like embarrassed. Right, I'm, I'm right. like, I'm like, yeah, man, we're gonna definitely hang out again, right? And I take a picture with him, and right. I immediately go 
go back to my hotel at night and watch the videos. I'm like, let me go watch the videos. Let me. That's a shame. That's a right. Shame. That is a shame. That That's is embarrassing, shame. right? You know. Yeah, so, yeah. um, realizing that with any business, just for reminding people, with any business, it's as hard or, or as easy as you make it. Right. Right. So that was a big thing. I was just like, I was embarrassed, but I also was like, that guy was committed. He got up. And it's, it's, you know, people are kind of overcomplicating it. So let's say I make it real simple. Let's say I buy a used truck that's like 40K and I make $1,000 a week off the truck. Now, of course, you're going to have tires. You're going to have oil change. You're going to have stuff happen, right? right? But I basically bought a $40,000 truck and at the end of the year, going to get 52000 off of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. The right. easy math, right? And yeah. that's if everything goes well, right? For sure. Which everything has issues. So I already made enough money to do what? Buy another $40,000 truck, mm. if you really think about it. Right. But what stops people up and, and rightfully so is some people have bad credit, right? You know, a lot of truckers, God bless them, they make a lot of money, but sometimes they have bad credit, right? And so these companies have made them made money. I'm talking about millions and billions of dollars off of trucker financing and leasing to truckers. Right. And so I started researching, okay, well, what oh, how bad is it? So you're talking about people giving people 13%. 15%, 17% finances. So instead of you buying this $39,000 truck or 40K truck, it's now going to cost you $57,000 total. Right. And they'd be asking for a down payment. Right, right. So so my thing in the industry is wanting to encourage people, hey, get your, get your lines of credit up, get your financing together because it would be easier for you to pay cash lump some commitment to this vehicle than to get some of these leasing deals that to me aren't very good right 13 to 19% interest that to me that's that's ridiculous yeah absolutely. I mean it's maybe just me but that's, yeah. it's predatory I've even heard I've been on the phone with one guy yeah I was on the phone with one guy and he said he was paying by the time he was gonna be done paying for his truck he's gonna pay $72,000 I said well how much was it in the beginning he said $40,000 right I said well you just bought a truck twice wow 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 that's right, crazy. and people get caught on the payments. Like, oh, I can afford the payments. The payments are a thousand five hundred, or the payments are this. And I'm like, you miss it. You missing the whole like, you missing the whole point of like, if you just drove on the road, over the road one year, didn't you know, just stacked your cash, you could buy your own truck next year. Right, got you, got you. Um, being so busy as you are, always traveling, always moving around. How are you able to manage um, manage your fleet? So the crazy part is that was really just 2019 and 2018. There were years before that where all I kind of did was work, 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 and come home and okay. focus on YouTube. So it was a it was challenging, very challenging last year doing all that traveling and on top of it. I had worked with a third-party company that had, you know, hired the drivers. Sometimes they were hiring foreign drivers and they managed really well. So I'd wake up on Friday, here's your statement, here's all the places the truck had been, here's your check. I was loving gotcha. it. Now we gotcha. did reach some hiccups. We had a brand new truck. I mean, like three weeks. I mean, just bought it. Guy drives down the road, flips it over. Beautiful truck. I'll never buy baby blue trucks again after this guy. <laughs> it. I feel like it's a bad color. Or something. Right, right, uh, right. Right. And so then I had another truck that was in, um, had broke down in the mountains of Birmingham, Alabama, and then a company and a dealership, which I'm not going to name their name because we still might sue them. Okay. Basically sat on it for three months. Like just wanted to argue back and forth with the warranty people. And so something told me, go down there. Physically go down there because if you send a driver down there to go pick it up, I bet money ain't gonna be ready. So I show up after hours. I show up at like 5 30, you know, the afternoon crew's working. Yeah. I walk in the building in my cowboy boots and my my like I'm gonna kick somebody A face. <laughs> and I have my camera. I said, Where's my truck? 
I tell you not, I go over there and see that truck, it is in pieces. Wow. It had been sitting over there for three months. And I wow. said, you guys have got this truck over here in pieces. The cost that I'm paying to repair this truck, I could just go buy another one. Right, right. And I was like, I'm going to sue y'all. That's what's about to happen because I think y'all played me because I'm a woman that I'm going to just send all this money down here when I could just buy another used truck for the same price. Like if the used truck, I bought it for 39000 and you telling me it's going to cost me 31000 to repair it, you might as well just go put it through the shredder. Yeah. So uh, eventually we, we came halfway down on that price and the dealership I purchased it from came and put some money in there. They took some money off. The warranty people put some money on it. Everybody realized that I was about to go sue. So that's why I'm not going to name no names. But, um, and I'm, I'm so real about that because if you think about the money it costs to repair it, then the money I spent to, um, the time it was off the road, three months, three months is a lot of money that that truck could have made. Oh, oh for sure. Honestly, uh, you know, I feel like they owe me $80,000. Right, right. You right. know what I mean? And for some people, they were like, oh, that's just part of the game. And I'm like, well, that's not the game I play. And I, I like, they can play that with somebody who is maybe a smaller carrier and it won't fight, but that's not me. So. Got you. Got you. Dope. So, so this is basically like a, a, a more, more passive way of, of trucking to where you lease your trucks on with carriers. Mm -hmm. they, they do the dispatching and everything for you. And yeah. you pretty much just collect your settlement and take care of any repairs or anything that you need to do. Um, you know, yeah, early. I was on the 85, 15. So 85% me, 15% them. Okay. Commission. So. Okay. Oh, not dope. That's so it was pretty good. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, it was pretty good, but it's also one of those things. It's also one of those things where you're like, if you start taking back pieces of the deal it stops becoming passive right so if i'm sitting out there calling drivers hiring drivers i'm out there dispatching i'm out there doing all this i might as well go ahead and run a whole company correct <laughs> to me the goal of, of of being an investor is hey i'm gonna take this money put it over there and i'm gonna put it into a system and this system's gonna take care of me mm. and cut me checks got you and so yes. i i think i i think i upset people because everybody was like yeah come get your authority come do this come down like listen i'm not knocking what you're doing i think what you're doing is great but if you're someone who's like me, and I'm not going to do a brag, but I am going to do a humble brag. If you're a millionaire and your time is busy, you're not going to be like, you know what I'm going to do? Stop everything and become a truck. Owner. You're like a truck company. Like, right. ah, there, there's no need. There's already a system in place to do that. Gotcha. Why would I um, try to re restart the whole wheel over? That don't make sense. Got you. Got you. Nah, it makes sense. Makes sense. So you, you talk about Hood Estates. Shout to Hood Estates. They've been on the show as well. Yeah. Um, sure. What, what, what kind of person, because I know, I know that, um, you know, you, you, you definitely big up their course all the time. What kind of person is their course for? So what, what I've noticed is here's the thing. A lot of people are concerned, like, oh man, the trucking industry, what about this or that? I'm like, the majority of us are going to own one or three trucks. That's about it. Like one to three trucks and we're going to be good. Right. We're right. going to be like, all right, that's enough for me. Right. That's enough right. for my workload. I think if you're, if, if you do the simple math, that's how I like to do it. If I buy a truck that's 40K and it makes a thousand a week, you know, 50K, $52,000 a year, even though that's before taxes, that's more than 75 million Americans work, make a year. Cause that's you got fair. about 75 million Americans making $30,000 a year. Mm. That's half of working America. So mm. when someone sits here and goes, Erica, but what about this? What about that? I go, think about the math. We're just doing simple math. Some of y'all out here with Jeep Wranglers and Dodge Ford Rams and Ford trucks that are 40K. Right, 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 right. So I'm talking about a forty to $45,000 truck driving for a year, paying you. 
Now, are you going to have to pay for tires? Sure, you're talking about 600 to 1,000 bucks. Um, you know, we're closer to six, depending on where you, if it's a blown tire or, you know, a new tire. And right. then you're talking about oil changes, 625. I mean, some of the, that's what I've been seeing when they had to stop at Love's or whatever. So it's like, that's just, that's just maintenance. That's just a part of the game, right? Right. right. So the average person is going to have one or two trucks max. So they're not going to be overwhelmed with like hiring a driver and doing all this if they can get the right third party company. I think it's a great opportunity for somebody who's looking for returns, active mm. returns that aren't just real estate. Mm. Right? Because you. when you really start to break it down, all of this stuff is just, um, and I don't mean to be insulting, but it's just paper. It's a pay, like money's paper, but also your business is paper. Your LLC is a sheet of paper. Right. You, you know, it's all paper. So we're moving paper around. If you break it, really break it down. Hi, I'm going to hand you this piece of paper, a game of truck. You're going to make it make money. You go hand me some paper. Right. We're just trading paper. That's all we're doing. Right, and, right, right. and when people overcomplicate it, you're losing. They're like, I don't want to lose money. But listen, here's the thing. You're losing money every day because of inflation, mm-hmm. taxes, and your own personal debt. Right. So when people tell me, well, I don't want to lose money, Eric. I want, There's nothing on this world guaranteed. That's a fact. It ain't even guaranteed you're going to go to work today and get paid on time. That's a, that's a fact. It's not you know guaranteed you're gonna wake up. We wake up today. You know what I mean? Yeah. No guarantees. No guarantees. So I think we gotta really get people away from I want guaranteed money. I'm gonna go to work and that's guaranteed I'm gonna get that money. What happens when your body breaks down? Right. Right? Like I really think people, you know, we make fun of people talking about passive income to some degree on the internet because they're like, Oh, you're just looking for an easy way out. But really you're looking for a way for your money to go to work for you every right. day. Right, right. Every day. Got you. Got you. I like that. So um, how'd you get into real estate? You know, at the end of the day, like I look at it, all roads lead to real estate. No matter how I try to flip, no matter who I talk to, no matter, listen, no matter, there's so many examples I can give you. Our family had farms, always had a a house where we could go back to or go go recover ourselves or something. That's the best way to say it. Okay. Um, And when I meet people, even if I talk to them, there's always a house, a big mama's house, an uncle's house, or somebody's house. If there was an emergency, the family ran back to that house and they right. all stayed together and helped each other out, right? Right. The homeless stories start coming out because there's no house. Hmm. People sleep in their cars because there's nobody in family with a house that can give them any spare room. Hmm. You start hearing these tragedies because there's no real estate base in that family. Because even if you got a weird cousin, they can come back to their grandma house. You know, like, oh, man, <laughs> weird Kevin here this week, you know. He needed somewhere to go, you know, they want to be on the street now. So, you know, it's like you can always hear that story somewhere. Right, right, So what right. I try to tell people is, think about it. People telling you not to buy a house are investing in apartments. Mm. Let's keep it a buck. I, I love Grant Cardone. I am what I've invested thousands of dollars in Grant Cardone. And I don't mean a little thousands. I mean, big thousands. Gotcha. But even his story is his father owned his dream house, had a heart attack. And between the mom selling the house and the insurance policy, she never worked another day in her life. And she lived to 90 something years old. Mm, he, wow. he died when she was in her forties. Wow. So when someone tells you not to buy a house or Erica, you don't have to own a house to make it in America. Okay. You don't have to, but pretty much all roads lead through real estate. There you go. 90% of all the multimillionaires you see first time or other own real estate. Bill Gates, Oprah, and people say, well, you know, Bill Gates, Oprah have this company. Bill Gates and Oprah are multimillionaires from their real estate. 
Oprah and Bill Gates own property up and down I-35. Now, what is I-35? It runs from Mexico to Canada through Texas all the way up. And they own properties up and down I-35. I uh, and you can go research this, you can go look up, right? Now, let's even hop over back over to, um, I don't want to mess up their name, Robertson's. Um, there are two brothers that are billionaires. They're a light-skinned, good-looking guy. Um, I, know, I, I know you're talking about. Black billionaires that nobody yeah. ever talks about, and they own... Thank you, thank you, right? They yeah. own all this real estate in Chicago. They right. even own some stuff. So, and they own it because their mom owned it. Then they inherited it, and then they continue from where the mom took off. Mm. You, you've got about a good eight black uh, billionaires that aren't really spoke on. Other than Don Peoples, other than um, Robert Smith, who's Austin, Texas, shout out, right? So, you know, other than Oprah, who are real estate billionaires, but they don't seek the limelight. They don't seek to be flashy. Mm. So we're sitting here always talking about Oprah, always talking about Robert. There are eight other, there's actually closer to 10, but eight other American black real estate billionaires. Right, right. They just make right at the bottom part of Forbes. They don't make that cutoff, right at that cutoff line. Got you, got you. Hmm. So it always leads to real estate, whether people want to do it or not, want to hear that or not. Where do you park your truck at? When you're not in your truck driving, real yeah. estate. Yeah. Who makes some of the biggest money out here? People who have truck stops, truck parking, when you're not driving for like a week, two weeks, um, places to hold trailers. All the, who, What is that? That's real estate. It all goes back and forth to each other. That's a fact. That's a fact. Do you see any particular areas with a lot of upside in, in, in you know, just your research now, real estate? For real estate? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, and I've said this, and I know Northern people get so mad, but I don't care. I don't be scared. Some of my highest, my highest folks is North, the New York and California, and I be in Ohio, and I be messing with them. Okay. All roads lead south for the next ten years. Mm. Point blank, period. Okay. All roads lead south for the next ten years. Now, what do I mean south? I mean anything from North Carolina down to Florida, across to Texas. Now, mm. why do I say that? Every demographic, every study, every report has people going south. Why? You're going to have a million plus people every year for the next 10 years leaving California for, for taxes. Where are they going? South and the east. Where you have New Yorkers who claim, oh, New York, I'm a New Yorker. They ain't been to New York since they were five years old. They've been in North Carolina ever since, right? But, but they're from New York, right? You got a million New Yorkers leaving That's too for taxes. For the next 10 years, you got, um, I, I'm not going to say a million, but you got Ohio folks, Pennsylvania folks, all leaving the next 10 years because of taxes. Mm. Like, so all these people are leaving um, because of taxes. They just can't afford to stay in those inner cities, right? So where do the where do the roads all go to? They all go to the South. Mm. So that's why you have Grant Cardone who's like, oh man, I'll never buy anything up North. He's having to buy something in Baltimore right now. It's right. too hot, right? You right. can't even get apartments in Houston and Dallas for reasonable prices, uh, apartment buildings to buy, right? You can't even get them for reasonable prices in Oklahoma City. There's nowhere. Huntsville, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama has been hot for five years now. Atlanta, they're building that thing up, right? Um, right. Georgia, Charlotte, North Carolina is like a second little Atlanta. Nashville, Tennessee. You're talking about, I have friends who bought a house for 80 k Five years later, sold that house for $375,000 in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Wow. And the black people in Nashville are like, but they doing this. They, listen, you knew any city in America, nobody wants to commute an hour to go home, to right. two hours to go home. And they're going to want to live where? Near downtown. Right. You knew it was coming. It, even Clemson, South Carolina. I make this I make this all the time. And I don't mean to insult the people of Clemson, South Carolina, but the black people in Clemson, South Carolina, their property tax is like $300 a year. 
Mm. Now, the, you know, Clemson, every time Clemson wins the championship, I promise y'all, any kind of games, any bowl games, students are flocking to that campus and parents are doing what? Buying up the cheap houses around the campus and converting them into student housing. So mm. now the people, which are black people who live around Clemson are like, oh my God, the insurance, oh, the property taxes went up. We're like, what did they go up to? Five hundred dollars, man! They killing us out here. And I'm like, it went up from three hundred to five hundred. Yes, they killing us out here. Right, and right, so, right. And they were interviewing people in the interview, and I bring this up because it's so important. They talked to five different people around Clemson, South Carolina. All of them had inherited the house, okay. and the background when they took the picture, the houses looked. It didn't look bad, but it looked. It did not look cared for. Okay. So one woman's like, I've been here thirteen years, and they raising the taxes. And they're like, well, ma'am, do you pay mortgage? No, I inherited this house. Mm. So she's had a free house 13 years. Right, right, And she's right. complaining about $300 going to $500. Wow, wow, wow. Where would she be without that house, though? Where would she be living without that house? Right, right. That's crazy. So that's yeah. why I say all roads lead the South. There's no way all roads don't lead the South because it's where the cheap real estate is. It's where the potential for growth is. Um, no matter how much they talk bad about us, they love coming down here. They, right. they get down here, they'll be like, whoa, Jesus, I can breathe. The rent. <laughs> the rent, babe. Like, and people here are, are doing the same thing. You know, the, his, uh, the native Texans are like, oh my God, rent is up. You're like, what is it up to? $800 for a, a two bedroom. Right. And you'd be like, what was it before? 400 Right, right, now, right. 400 to 800 that's a change. Yeah, but the sure. fact that you are you have a two bedroom for eight hundred bucks, your wife stay home, it's just you working, you've been living gravy. Yeah. You just have not been investing. So right. when I say all roads lead to real estate, they just do. Got and you. the South will be where it's at for the next 10 years period. What's so your it kind of flows down? What's your investment strategy? Do you look at residential? Are you trying to rent out um apartments? Are you looking at commercial? What are you thinking about when you're looking to investing in a home or, so or, or for, space? So for me right now, if, if I go into a marketplace, if I can get a, a batch of turnkeys, great. Once I get a batch of turnkeys, then we can look at something commercial, okay. right? So down here, I, I mean, I can't tell all the business, but I'll just say some of, <laughs> some of my personal stuff, not all the investment group goals, but right, some of right. my personal stuff is I'm getting ready to acquire a commercial space down here in Central Texas. Okay. I'm also going to build from the ground up a, a Lisa Plaza, all right, a four space plaza. Now, why am I doing that? People are like a plaza, Erica? Yes. Here's why. Um you pretty much can get the steel frame of the building for $10,000. Mm. Y'all can go look this up. I mean, I ain't got to make up any of these numbers. I go research this often. Um, you can go look up the steel frame of a building for about 10000 About 10000 And the reason why is, the reason why is, it's the concrete and the windows that cost so much, right? When you get ready to put it in. It's the concrete and the windows. And so what I'm trying to get people to understand is down here in Texas, you have whole plazas, whole little towns that are almost completely in Spanish. Hmm. Where they have invested in buying and acquiring the commercial space because other communities are big about starting businesses once they get to Texas. Point blank period. Right. Point blank period. Right. So, um, you know, one of the guys that could be one of the richest Austin black guys is he has a barbecue shop. It's a shack. It's a barely a building. And they want to buy it from him for $4 million. And he's like, I've never had $4 million in my whole life. And we're like, brother, no. <laughs> the space is what's valuable. The building, even though it's a shack, the building's what's, what's valuable, right? Okay. okay. And um, 
And so all roads lead to real estate, but if I could get people to understand that if you can have a pocket of residential feeding your business money, right? Then you can have one or two commercial spaces in a location uh, central to where you're trying to invest. And then if you go for one apartment, that's just icing on the cake. Mm. Everybody's focusing on apartments, but because I worked in the apartment industry as an apartment manager and I was a billings manager, so I know the numbers, um, people don't, you're not getting the cap rates you think you're getting. Okay. Just not because right now with apartments, you, you have a demographic shift, right? So I'm in a luxury apartment while my house is getting built in central Texas and I'm in a luxury apartment. So they're charging premium dollar, premium dollar for the garage, premium dollar for the parking, all of it. Right. But guess what? People are only there for six months. They're short-term renters because it's at the level that it's luxury, but they're in the process of doing what? Getting a house built. Gotcha. They're only there to their house is built. So and the turnover is big. There you go. Turnover is big. So I know for a long time that building only had 45% occupancy rates. Mm. Brand new building, beautiful, pool's amazing. Everything's beautiful. It's luxury. But guess what? Their occupancy rates are terrible. And this is going on across the nation where there's high turnover. Right now in Oregon, I'm saying that terribly, but I mean Oregon, Washington, Washington, um, even in Seattle, Washington right now, they have 14,000 units that are empty. Mm. Let me say that again. 14,000 units. That's crazy. So that's not just one apartment. That's hundreds of apartments that are empty. Mm. So people are talking about, oh, I'm invested in apartments, Erica. I'm going to get in apartments. Grant Cardone told me to get an apartment. <laughs> Have all these roofs and these doors. And I'm like, baby, <laughs> nobody wants to live in an apartment. Right. Nobody does. Majority of Americans, whether they, they even if they don't want to own their home, they rather live in a home with their kids to give their kids what? stability right so they can let their kids play in the backyard so they can let their dog go out in the backyard so they don't have to walk around the apartment and pick up dog poop right 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 so, sure. so when people sit here and fight me on the fact that sorry housing is where it's going to be at for a long time to come hmm. if you're a guy or girl and you can't afford your house yet but you can get say your girlfriend or your wife i'm be i would prefer they be the wife but they just had a baby and hmm. you like man she can't go back to work but there's a house you can rent in a neighborhood that's like working class and in between working class and middle class, you're going to get it. You're going to get in there and be like, baby, we got this cheaper whole house. Great. You can just relax, go to work when you have to, or, you know, when your maternity leaves over. So people don't want to be in an apartment. They, right. They're not trying to do that. They're, they're really not. And I, I know people try to sell that to you, but you have a demographic of older people who are like, you know what, I'm a downsize. Right. And even being in apartment management, we'd have those people and they would be great neighbors. They'd make sure, you know, people didn't leave dog poop. They were the tellers. They were snitching. They were, you know, neighborhood security. Right. But at the end of the day, even older people uh, want to go back to a home. Now, prime example of this, you guys can look this up for your own records. I always say this for whenever I do a show. Suns, uh, Sun City, um, outside of Georgetown, Texas. It's essentially a city that was created because it's nothing but um, a giant golf course on Sun City. Okay. And it's all two bedroom, two bath. Really big doors, really big walkways. Why? If you need to have wheelchair access. Okay. It's a retirement community of 55 plus active. You go out there, it is beautiful. It's manicured. But guess what? Even older people still want to be in their own home. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so when I talk about all roads lead to real estate, they really do. At the end of the day, um, you'll have people who will rent for the rest of their life and that's okay. That's fine. If that's what you want to do. Do it, baby. But there is going to be someone owning that property and you would have paid that mortgage five times over. Mm, mm, dope. All right. Let's, let's talk about something that may not lead exactly to real estate, right? but maybe it does. YouTube money. 
YouTube money. It should lead to real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me right. about that. So I know you, you have a very big presence on YouTube. Um, you know, so we understand that part, but let's talk about monetizing YouTube um, right. because there's a lot of people who, um, you know, have channels, especially in the trucking industry. I mean, if you have, sure. you, put, you put trucking in in, in, in the uh, search engine, you're going to see a bunch of people pop up and there's probably plenty of opportunity for people to um, create different revenue streams for themselves. Sure can. Mm -hmm. So, so talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, what you can about your strategy and how you approach YouTube to get that YouTube money. So you, YouTube, a lot of people are looking for all these subscribers and numbers and followers, and that's not where the money is. That's never where the money's been. Mm. You know, the money, that kind of strategy was for advertisers, right? Uh, and I always tell people what surprised YouTube and the search engine, and they weren't prepared for, is no matter what you market to people, people are going to go find what they want. Now, what did people want? To be truthfully honest, when you go on YouTube, people want hot people, good-looking families, Christian families, <laughs> uh, people doing something with their hands, right. like, you know, like a, a skill, a trade, cleaning how dirty to. cars. How yeah, to. how to, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And so that became this huge market on YouTube. So my whole channel was, you know, how to make more money, how to get streams of income, right? Everything that surrounded that for me. Uh, what was my review of it? How did I make money? And, and in that, it's a knowledge-based system, right? It's a, it's a knowledge exchange. So for a lot of people, that's been ahead of the game. If you don't have an email list, you don't have a business. Mm. Point blank period. Because mm. YouTube can shut you off tomorrow. You're on somebody else's platform. Many people are learning this now with Amazon. They're learning it with Facebook. I remember um, what made me so big about YouTube is I was on Facebook and this guy was complaining. He had a hip hop Facebook group that had like 300,000 people in it. He had staff. They making money off interviews. They, they had sponsors. They had all this stuff. One day the Facebook group goes away. Mm. So he had to let go of the staff, wow. you know, sponsors were like, what happened? Give us our money. You know, just, just the trauma, right? Wow. Wow. Yes. But what everybody kept asking him is, Hey, just hit your email list. Just ask them, you know, just tell the sponsors, you'll email all your followers. He didn't have no email list. Mm. And he out of New York. He didn't have no email list. He didn't, you know, that, that platform is not your platform. You're building in someone else's backyard. Mm. If that makes sense. So no, it definitely makes sense. Go ahead. That always was in the back of my mind whenever I did anything. I'm like, this is not, you don't own YouTube. This is their, these are their followers. These are their subscribers. Until right. these people say, hey, I'm so interested in what you have. I'll get on your email list. You, you don't have a business. Okay. Okay. So if that's number one lesson for everybody who's ever watched this, right? So you, you want to start with driving people to your own email list. Do you have any, yeah. any software that you, or, or that you suggest to have yeah, your own email Yes. Don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Okay. Okay. MailChimp. Keep Mail it simple. Chip. MailChimp. Keep it simple. Okay. You know, email them uh, two two times a week. Keep it simple. Don't, over, don't overcomplicate it. Okay. Why? Because at the end of the day, you're going to say, listen, I can give y'all details and information and little secrets and little tidbits and, you know, the top 10 lists and stuff like that. But I can't do it on YouTube because, you know, I, you know, they don't want me to share it. So I want to share it with you, but I just can't share it right here. I got to send it to you in an email. You know, there kind you of, right? I want to share with you my my team, my this, my that, but I can't share you on YouTube. I got to share an email. Right, right. And That's people are like, oh man, but it's true because there's a list of people I work with um, for through various companies, but I would never just put them out on the YouTube channel because then all kind of Yahoo's going to call them. <laughs> right? They just going to call their phone acting crazy. Right, but right, right. I, but if I have an email list of people that uh, know, trust, and respect me and they signed up for this email list, when I send them this number, I go, hey, call this number. 
talk with this guy about business. If you're not about business, don't call him. Right. You have a better control of the type of candidates that are going to call that person. Mm. Make sense? That's a fact. And the email is definitely has been tried and true through all the different social through media apps that, that have come and go from, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Black Planet to, <laughs> to MySpace, MySpace to oh my Facebook. Goodness. You know, email has always been there and it's never going to go anywhere, right? Yeah. And you know what people do when they when they email get compromised, they just create a new email. Mm, right. So you never, exactly. you never, people are never gonna get away from email. They'd be like, oh yeah, I don't even answer that email no more. Uh, I'm like, what's your new email? Oh, here's a new email. Right. 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 Got you. So Got you. you can't get away from it. Okay. What's the next step? Uh, as far as YouTube. Yeah. So, so there's several there's several steps to it, but the first the best thing I would tell people is, okay, first you got the email is providing great content, right? You're providing great content and letting people give you what they want, right? And the best thing is like, hey, if you got questions or concerns, drop it in the comments below and I'll make another video mm. answering your questions. Engaging your audience. Yes. Um, right now, there's a whole technique. You literally could go right now. Let's say, you you know, Truck and Hustle. You want everybody to get on Truck and Hustle. You can go on YouTube right now, go literally type in trucking on the search bar, go respond to at least 20 people in, in, in the comments of those videos. Like, Put a comment on the video, say something positive, and then respond to 20 people. And all after a while, you're going to repeatedly see, like, let's say you do it for 100 videos. Hold on. There's a cow walking across the road. <laughs> I kid you not. Oh, wow. Wow. I was going to flip the camera so you can see, but I'm just going to let him get across. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you, you do that to like 100 videos. Mm -hmm. You're going to have all kind of random new people coming to Truck and Hustle that you never even saw before. Mm. Mm. Why? Because people in the comments go looking for what? Answers. Right. They, want they want their questions answered. They also want to reach more people that are just like them. You know, oh, wait, there's a truck and hustle. What is that about? Right. They're going right. to go look it up. Right. And so there's so many techniques to traffic in the back back office part of YouTube that that's why I put that course together. That's why I, like I do live trainings for my students, because it's so important that I'm, I know people right now with channels under 50,000 subscribers making $4 million a year. Whew. Right. Wow. Wow. And, and so, it, and literally, they literally have a combination of a Facebook group where the people in their Facebook group pay $197 a month. And they got about 500 people in there. Then right. on top of that, they have um, other little products and services and group coaching calls they do. There's so much to YouTube. It's a giant engine. But you got to have the mindset. I'm not just coming on here to look pretty, right? You have some <laughs> right. people like, I'm going to just come on here in my workout clothes and it's going to make me money. That's, that's, that model is dead. That model does not work anymore. Right. That right. model was going out the door even five years ago. Right. 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 So in the, in the fitness people, YouTubers you've seen who have stayed and made it, one, they had good personalities. Two, they actually grew a business out of it, right? Mm. Uh, mm. Some of the most notables are like Nick Bear. He has a whole warehouse. You know, he has a $5 million supplement company. You have Christian Guzman out there down in Houston. You got Max Chewing. He, start, he has a candy company. He got a clothing company and a supplement, right? right. So, so it, it, it can be a business. It can be a career, but you have to treat, you want to be paid like a business. You got to treat it like a business. Right, right, right. So you, do you think people rely too much on looking to get just views and then monetizing yes. off of the sponsorship posts yep. that YouTube will place in their ad placements? Yep. Like the best way to even say that is um, I remember someone talking to me like, oh, I can just make 10 grand off if I do a gaming channel. I said, well, you have to get 4 million views, 4 million views with the most basic sponsors 
um, basic advertisers basic uh, reporting on your page about four four million one four point one million views to get about eight thousand dollars a month. Right, right. So would it be smarter to get the four million views, or would it be smarter to go get uh, you know three thousand views and you have thirty percent of your people buy a product or service or affiliate marketing? Wow, yeah, that's a fact. Right. Fact, so yeah. it, it, you know, I've had people who have channels that have seventy thousand, eighty thousand subscribers book a consult call with me and actually pay me a lot of big money because they're like, okay, look, you under 30,000 at that time and you're making uh, 15 grand a month. Hold on. What am I doing wrong? Okay. Well, then we got to a point where I was making 40 grand a month, right. you know? So you have people who are like, okay, clearly the business model I'm doing doesn't make sense mm. or isn't a business model period. Right, right, right. Right. I had one great girl. I mean, she'll probably never see this, but she was amazing drawer. She does um, illustrations. And I said, okay, let's keep it simple. You want to make money? People watch your channel to learn how to draw things. Do this. Offer a course today, a hundred bucks. You're going to teach them in the course how to draw all the Avenger characters. Mm. <laughs> and she thought, well, that's, that's funny. You know, yeah, that's yeah, funny. no way, right? And right. I said, yeah, do it. Charge a hundred bucks. Charge a hundred bucks and see what happens. Right. And you know what? She sold out to 3,000 of her like 80,000 subscribers. Wow, because she targeted a specific niche. There you go. And and all those Avenger lovers were probably all over. They're like, man, not only do we learn how to draw, we learn how to draw Avengers. Like, that's super cool. Then I told her, hey, when Black Panther comes out, do Black Panther 2. So that Black Panther one. So, I mean, now from one one class, one tutorial, making $30,000, $40,000. Wow. Come on, man. Some people got to really, like, you got to put the math together. Some people have amazing skills and talents, but long term or as a career. Mm. Wow. Wow. Now that 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 that's that's crazy. Um man, that you blew my mind with that. So so I guess the third step would pretty much be come up with a product or do some sort of affiliate marketing, right? That's what we're that's what we're looking at. Well, let's think about it like this. When people talk about affiliate marketing, they be acting like, ooh, affiliate marketing. So every day we get on Facebook and what do people do? I had some Starbucks. They sell I'm in some. my Tim's. Yeah. I'm in my, I'm at Olive Garden. Here's my clothes. Here's my this. Here's You're my right. that. You're right. right. You're yeah. already doing that for everybody already. It's for not free. a crazy thing. For, you free. Do it for free. Yeah. For free 99. You out here going on vacations, hashtagging the resort. You out here hashtagging the hotel. You out here hashtagging restaurants. You're, right. uh, you're already affiliate marketing for everybody but you. You're Look right. at Popeye's chicken craze. Yeah, yeah. And it was a black girl who came up with the marketing plan. Okay, wow. so, so I mean, again, um, I, I'm being nice. I don't want. I wanted to say something, but I had to stop myself. I, <laughs> the thing about that is, you out here making everybody rich but you. Mm. You out here. I mean, there's a girl right now, beautiful girl. Not knocking her. She has a YouTube channel. She's finally making all, all this money, and the first thing she does is go buy a Porsche. I'm like, honey, you live at your parents' house. What are you doing? Mm. Mm. You don't need no Porsche. <laughs> what are you doing? You just spent sixty grand on a Porsche. Wow! Girl, you don't stop that mess. Wow! 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 Um, talk to me about mindset because you know, like I said earlier, you we could usually find you at a coffee shop or a conference. How did you get into the conference scene, and how important is that to you and to your um to your business? So the thing about uh, conferences that are so important, what people don't understand is, uh, prime example, you go home Thanksgiving, you out here trying to convince your whole family, just your whole family, hey, y'all, 
you know, I'm starting this business, I'm be doing this, do that. By the time you leave, you so sad because they done pooped on your business. They done talk, <laughs> they done talk bad about your business. Right. And you, you're like, oh, yeah, your energy's low. What happens when you go to a conference? You go to the conference and everybody's on similar pages, right? They're right. thinking about business ownership. They're thinking about ways to market the company. They're thinking about challenges of the new year. You even learn about new other people's businesses when you go, right? Right. And the point of that is, it's an energy boost, mm. just a hundred percent energy boost and mint mentality boost. Now, what do I mean by that? Hold on a second. I'm gonna pull over in a second. Okay. Um, the, the energy boost really comes from like-minded people. You don't have to spend all your energy trying to convince them this plan will work. They already know it's going to work. They're right. in business as well. Right. Right. They, right. They, they, they know this works. They know it's true. It's a mindset, right? So then if let's say you're there for marketing, and you're afraid to like, I'm afraid to spend some money on marketing. Well, you're going to meet six to 10 different people who like, I was too, but this is what I did. Mm. This is what I did instead. This is what mm. I did, you know? And so you're opening the door um, to opportunity with others, with people, with potential, with marketing. There's just a ton of things you're opening the door for when you go to conferences that I think people really underestimate um, the power of a conference. Hmm. They just underestimate it. They think, oh, you know, conference. That's, oh, you know, that's a waste of money. And it's not even about the speaker. Like, I can tell you right now, when I went to the Grand Cardone Tennis, uh-huh. I was there for the people. <laughs> right, 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 right. I love Grant. Grant does a great job. He's doing good things. He's helping out the community. But at the end of the day, I was there for the people I met there. And what was funny is people were dressed to the nines. You, will go to, <laughs> you can go to a conference and meet a husband. You, just, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> and I mean this for real. Like when people, I would get messages from people like, Oh man, you know, I keep meeting girls that don't understand my business. That's where you need to meet them at. You need to meet mm. them at a conference or a mastermind or an event because you've already beat the hurdle that she understands business. It's like church for business, basically. Yeah. 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 You've already beat the, the hurdle that she understands what business is. She ain't going to bother you. She probably got some kind of side project she tinkering on. Right. You know, you've already beat that hurdle. Right. And so I was at an event and I, this girl was complaining about dating men. I said, girl, we had an event. It's 80% men. I mean, there's 33,000 people in here. Right. If you can't find a man up in here, I don't know what's going to happen to you, girl. You'll have to just try something else, right? So, <laughs> like, I was making jokes about it, but I'm really serious because you really cut the curve of friendships. Um, I've actually gone to conferences and been like, hey, let's go. Um, let's meet up in Colorado and go snowboarding. Right. Great, girl. I'm going to put it in my schedule right now. Right. right that wouldn't right. happen. That wouldn't happen every day. Like, oh, I got my job. Or, oh, I got stuff. I can't go. Right. But we're both business owners. We both know how to work from the laptop. Hey, let's go um, go over here. Let's go book this trip. Let's go do that. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. What are some must-attend conferences for entrepreneurs? If, if you had to give a, a list of a couple for people listening, what what give me like three that you can think of, if you could think of three that people should definitely go to in 2020. In 2020, I would, I'm still going to put up um, Grant Cardone's 10X in Las Vegas. Okay. You're going to have in Las Vegas, all type of business owners, right? Because there are some people there that weren't business owners, but they wanted, they understood business, they understood entrepreneurship. I would even go find somebody in there you could go work for. Mm. Okay, Okay. on that tip. Number two, um, there's a thing called BizNow, B-I-S-N-O-W.com. And it highlights all these real estate related um, summits and conferences that are gonna be all around the United States. Okay. Right? Like what's going on in Nashville? What's going on in Dallas? What's going on in Fort Worth? What's going on here? You know, go check that website out and see if there's one near you. 
I would check those out. What's the third one? <laughs> the third one event, if you want to check out an amazing event this year, um, Erica Williams, Austin, Texas boat party <laughs> mm, and VIP dinner I like August that. 2nd. <laughs> I like that. 2020, right? Like, you know, we had people come in that room from California last year, from California, New York, Lansing, Michigan, Florida, North Carolina. They came from all over. And the point is, if somebody's willing to spend a weekend somewhere, you've already jumped over a lot of hurdles, right? right, right. That person's ready to invest. That's pretty ready to start a business. That person probably has money, et cetera, et cetera, right? right? Like I can tell you right now, if you're in real estate or you want to be in real estate and you're in a town, oh, Eric, I can't find nobody. Go look up right now, Rio groups immediately. Mm. Go to all the, the free events all month long. You'll find somebody to partner with in there. Mm. Um, go to, you know, right now, go online to eventbrite.com and look up countless free events, right? You know, there was a, a course I had thought about making, but I didn't make it in the end. It was like how to dominate a, a medium to small town. Hmm. literally you just show up i mean and i'm and i say it jokingly but you show up to all the chamber of commerce events you show up to these events when yeah. i went back home to fedville north carolina and started the coffee shop i'd be at all the commerce chamber of commerce events. they'd be like hey where where, where are you from i'm like oh i'm here <laughs> over here oh okay like and just all kind of conversations you know right. um yeah. a big thing of that too and i know people think i'm being dramatic but volunteering right so i used to volunteer with united way so i was 19 no i was 20 good and ready to be on 21 and I came home to Fayetteville to volunteer at United Way. And so I'm at this uh, volunteer session. And it's just me, four older white guys, and two of the older white guys' kids, all volunteering together. Mm. All four of these white men were vi vice presidents of banks in that region. Wow. And United Way knew who they were and so kind of put them together in a cluster and just needed to put me somewhere. So they're like, oh, you can come over here with them. Right, right. right. And... In that moment, by the time I was done volunteering that day with them, hey, you want a job? You can come on over here. I'll help, I'll help you be a loan officer, whatever you look for, whatever you need. Right, right. And what I try to tell people is people would be like, oh, I'm not volunteering. Ain't nobody getting my free time. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh because when I volunteer, 90% of the people I meet volunteering are wealthy. Mm. They're wealthy people trying to give back, trying to like, or they bring their kids, trying to make their kids learn how to give back kind of conversations. And you know, I'm sitting here like, look who's in the room, right? right? Right. Conferences. Who has money to go to a conference? Business owners. Yeah. Who who has money to leave their town for a whole weekend and come to Las Vegas? Think about it. If you let's say you only got twenty thousand dollars and you're like, man, I only got twenty thousand dollars, but I really want to get in real estate. I really need to connect with somebody. You're more likely to find somebody who also has twenty thousand dollars at Grant Cardone's conference in Las Vegas that weekend. Then you are walking around your hometown mad, like, man, I wish I had somebody $3,000. <laughs> I really wish we could connect with somebody. Th that's, yeah. your that's your time. Conferences, masterminds, that's your time. Like, um, I just went to a mastermind in San Diego, California. And I think it was 50 of us, maybe 45. There's a picture I keep posting all over Instagram. Okay. Everybody in there had money. Hmm. What they were just trying to perfect is scaling systems. Um, some guys in there had money and didn't have a business yet. Right. Hey, I got $150,000. I just don't know what to do with it. Hey, babe, come on over here. I got an investment club. What you need? You're like, you know, you have an opportunity um, to connect with people and grow with people when you go to these masterminds. Right, right. Got you, got yeah. you. That's, that's dope. Um, what's next for you in your entrepreneurial journey? Well, there's a big project I'm working on that I, that I can't talk about just yet. I get mm. lined up right. 
Okay. I don't okay. want nobody. I don't want nobody throwing bad juju on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta like be quiet, right? Which is hard, right? Okay. You want to stun on them, but you can't. So, um, right. some of the smaller projects I'm working on. Some of the smaller projects I'm working on is getting a foothold in real estate in Cleveland, um, a foothold in real estate in Central Texas and Houston, um, and also uh, a foothold in real estate in Tennessee. Mm. So, and I ain't going Memphis. I mean, the other way. So, um, there'll be a lot of opportunities for people who want to work with me, but there's been an awful lot of opportunities for myself. Mm. Every day we get emails like, Hey, I got these properties here and there. Right. I just didn't have enough time last year to truly analyze it. Right. And this is where scaling comes in. This is where having a staff comes into place and having a staff person, employees don't cost you anything. And I'm going to say that again. Employees don't cost you anything. And there's going to be somebody like, no, 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 no. Yes. You running ragged. You about to wear yourself out. You about to have a stroke out here. Right. Running around trying to do all these things in your business. It was never meant for you to do that. Mm. That's why the reasons when you, when I talk with people and I say, um, having a business, prime example, have a job, your job is just something your boss didn't want to do. <laughs> right and that I like, sounds weird, I, like, but it's I like that i like that it's true you know your, your boss didn't want to sit there and answer 100 emails today <laughs> they didn't want to sit there and file papers and make reports right but guess what you're willing to do that for i don't know 20 bucks an hour i'm just saying some number right and um and so when you when that opportunity comes as a business owner when you really step back and think about it oh man i do not want to answer these emails i do not want to sit out here and, and I'll just give you an example. Any given day in my business, there's 500 to 3,000 touchback points. Okay. And there's no way I can be a sane person doing all these things I do and have 500 to 3,000 touchback points. Yeah. Do you know how many people email us a day with, um, oh, I can't find my login. Can you help me? Right. Like, I forgot password button, right? Like, they just, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like you get hundreds of emails a day on stuff that could be answered by anybody but you. Mm. It, it will leave no space for you to grow if you don't systemize your business and put somebody else in place. Now, how do you do that? You write out the n- number one way for somebody who's listening to this, the number one thing you can take away from this article, this interview, if nothing else, SOP, standard operating procedures. You go, you get a sheet of paper and you, what do you do all day? Right. And don't make, don't fluff it up. Be honest with yourself. Okay. I come to Peter. The first thing I do is answer these emails. Then I go check over here on Facebook and, you know, put a few responses over here. Then I go on LinkedIn and put a little few responses over there. You do this and that. What happens today if somebody else did all those for you? Right. Oh man, I could call more people. I can make more sales. I can, I can go plan another this or that. Okay. That's the the power of an employee. Right. That's the power of, if you have a business, creating jobs right That's really because really all you're doing is right now how would this business grow um mm. you know at any given point just to give a prime example there's a thousand eight hundred videos i have on youtube every day there's comments being put all over youtube we checked the other day because i was giving it to a staff owner there's twenty thousand comments i haven't responded to on <laughs> wow. youtube okay do you think i have time to respond to twenty thousand comments absolutely not thank you right <laughs> so, so somebody is now paid to go and answer a hundred to how many ever they can get done a day comments. Mm. Mm. Now, what are they going to say mostly underneath them comments? Thank you for watching the channel. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's so great for you to watch the channel, which is something I would say. It would be right. something I would say. Right. Um, oh, oh, you're looking for a book or a product or a service here. Go here. That's so simple. 
Mm. Right. I can literally put it in the description, put it all in the comments, and somebody gonna still come today and be like, "Where's the link?" <laughs> <laughs> now, do right. I have time to answer "Where's the link" a hundred right. times a day? Absolutely not. <laughs> Thank you. That don't even make sense. Yeah. That don't even yeah um what's another one um oh goodness there's so much i could tell you uh but but even in even in marketing right so somebody sits down and puts together a, a, a facebook ad let's say they always do that that's that's their job other places and they can put a facebook ad together in five ten minutes it right. might take me 30 minutes to an hour now right. it's good that i know how to do it but i don't think that's saving my company any money for me to sit there and try to figure out oh, let me figure out how to put this here and put this there. No. Right. Pay people what they're good at. Mm. Mm. Right? Dope. Dope. Hmm. Um, so. so you're an author. Um, the, your planner, right? Mm -hmm. The Erica mm -hmm. Classy Klein planner. Why a planner? Why did you decide to release a planner? Every day people are like, what do you, what do you do? What's your strategy? How do you get so much done? You're doing all these things. And I be telling them, Honestly, I don't like they think I'm my hands in 5,000 pies. And that's not what I mean. Mm. I have hyper focused for 90 days on one project at a time. Hmm. And then okay. I move on to another project. Okay. Right? And I always create businesses that staff can take over immediately. Okay. I don't start any projects that because you honestly can have no one's Elon Musk. As much as we think we are, the average person can probably run one to two businesses. Great businesses. I don't mean just shitty. I mean, oh, excuse me. I mean, bad businesses. <laughs> I mean, great businesses. One to two. Right. Anything over one to two, you're not Elon Musk. You be, you can be an investor in it, but you won't be running it. Right. Right. Okay? Right. That gets me back to the investor term. The yeah. planner was literally marking out what I do in a day. What do I do in a day? I get up. I write three mark micro goals, like three small, like these three things got to happen today. They don't happen. We done messed up our day, right? So right. these three small things um, got to happen today. You know, what am I grateful for? Because I used to be like, man. I got to get up and get on all these phone calls today. <laughs> and I stopped myself. I stood up right out of my chair and said, Erica, there used to be a time nobody called you. Nobody mm. paid to call you. Mm. Now, this isn't a brag moment, but like people are paying $400 for 30 minutes. They're paying $600 for an hour. Right. Like that's their hard earned money. You're mad because you got 10 phone calls today. You built that life. Right. Right. right? right. Be absolutely grateful that people will even consider spending their hard earned money to even speak with you. Mm. So a lot of times, you know, we take, we, take a, we take it for granted, our kids, our spouses, our family, our friends, because we lack gratitude, period. So right. the planner starts off and it says gratitude. It says your three micro goals for the day. Um, and then on the other side, it kind of flips and says, well, did you get those done? Mm. Did you drink enough water? You know, right. did you go walk 20, 20 miles, 20 minutes, right? Now, why is that in the book? People are like, Erica, what you got to worry about water? The average person sitting at a desk and they, if they get tired or their eyes get tired, what do they do? They go drink coffee. Yeah, yeah. Or soda. Yeah, that's all a fact. day. That's a they so I can even tell you a personal friend. One summer, she's a nurse. Nurses moving all the time. They up, they walk around, they moving. She cut out soda one summer hmm. for ninety days. Guess how much weight she lost? Uh, one summer, I'd say she probably lost about thirty pounds. Forty pounds, thirty-eight mm. pounds, almost forty. Right? Yeah. Just cutting out so she ain't changed nothing else. She's yeah. still eating out with the girls. She's still doing nurse stuff. She's still, you know, she just water. She's always carried a water can. That's yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, sure. you think, oh, I'm tired. It's gonna give myself some sugar. I'm gonna give myself some sugar. Right. You're just sugaring back up your body, right? So 
I put the 20 minute walk in there because I, when I was like fit two years ago, my YouTube channel I had the slim face. I was looking good. It was from, <laughs> I would get up out of my chair, go walk around the block for 20 minutes, drink water when I came out and then sit back down and continue working. Mm, got you. And, it, and people were like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I walked, I walked so much two years ago that, that I wrote it down and I tracked it. Cause if you don't track it, it don't get measured. Right. Two and a half years ago before one of my surgeries, I used to walk, um, downtown the the downtown lake which was about four miles i didn't do the whole thing which was eight miles i did the half right so three or four miles three to four times a week okay so when you start adding that up it's a it's you're gonna have a different body you have a different face you're gonna have a different everything right. because you're tracking it when you don't track it that's when you lose sight right if gotcha. someone tells me oh i've got all these things i gotta do for my business erica well if you just tackle three of them a day three little ones a day by the end of the week, you tackled like 21 things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I like that. What's what's a book that changed your life? Um, oh, I know I'm going to be boring, but I'm going to say uh, Cash Flow Quadrant, Robert Kiyosaki. Mm, okay. Because, Mr. Rich Dad, Poor Dad himself. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't even like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's my book. <laughs> I don't even like that book. Everybody's okay. like, Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you, good for you. Um, I just nod and I'm like, yes, very good job, good job. Mm -hmm. But it's the cash flow quadrant. Why? Because I came from a family of cops, military folks, uh, and farmers, right? They were based in security. You know, they got a pension. They're going to do their 20 years. They're going to get their GI Bill. They're going to get their VA loan. And they were based in security. I had no heart in that. Mm. Like I couldn't see, it didn't make sense to me to waste 20 years. It didn't make sense for me to be traveling if I didn't want to go that place. It didn't make sense for me to be locked into a contract. And, and so as much as I love my mom and dad, as much as I love my uncles, they were based in a security-based, like needed job. Like I even have an aunt who works at the post office. Like it's union, you know, they're like, ah, post office. Right? right. And for me, I wanted the freedom to create something, to build something. And I, when I read the cash flow quadrant and all the, like the, you know, the little quotes and stuff in it, yeah. it just was like, yes, right. I knew, I knew I was an investor. The, the light bulb went off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whole time. Right. And so it's like, I can give that book to family members and they read it. And I remember one time I was making like 70, 80 K a year or something. And something financially bad had happened. And my family was like, well, you can still go in the army. You can mm. still go in the army. Mm. And I was like, I can't look to them for answers because that's the only answer they have to give me. Right, right. I even had an aunt who's a nurse. And she's like, well, you can be a nurse, girl. They'll never fire nurses. Right. And I was like, in my heart, I was like, I love you. Right. I love all of y'all, but you don't have an answer for me. Mm. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, and for I sure. knew, yeah, I knew, and that's how I knew that book was spot on. That's how I knew because a person, a person that loves you, they want to give you what they're doing. They want to give you safety because they love you, right. right? Right. And so even all my friends here in Austin, they're engineers. You know, they work in tech, and some of them work around tech, but not even even an engineer. And they'd be like, "Girl, come work in tech, girl. They got all this money. <laughs> girl, look at all this money over here. Come on over here." And as much as it's tempting, you're like. Yeah, but they have to give some of y'all four to six months breaks because right. y'all be like rigging out. Right. They have to give them, you know, uh, big vacation time. And um, the whole point of that is the cash flow card didn't change it for me. Mm. I realized I wasn't a crazy person. I, <laughs> what I wanted was realistic. 
and the more people I bumped into, it it, it became even more so. Um, after that, the four hour work week, you know, mm-hmm. there were people out there living and working from their laptop. That wasn't something crazy. Right. Um, the you know the compound flex, the slight edge, those all made it sense to me. Like you do one or one or two more little things every day, mm. you'll get you'll get ahead of you know everybody in your field, right? Right, right. Uh, so like let's say every day Monday through Friday you work a job and you have to make sales calls. If you make one extra call a day Monday through Friday, by the end of the year you've made two hundred and I think twenty more calls than everybody else, mm. and that's just one call a day. Right, right, right. Right. Hmm. So um, you know. I don't want to keep throwing a ton of books at you, but one thing by Gary Keller, every person you add on your team, right. And they're they're all going for one thing. What's the one thing? What's our one company goal? Our company goal is to get X amount of sales this year. Mm. If every person on the team, and you say you got 10 different people, if they're all, even if they're all part-time, everybody's pushing towards that one goal. We're going to hit that goal. Got you. Got you. What's the biggest barrier you, barrier you had to get over when making that transition after you read that book and you started shifting your mindset? What was the thing that held you back the most? Wanting to get validation from people. Mm. Right. Um, and that's what a lot of people are struggling from. You'll, you may never get validation from people around you ever mm. your whole life, your whole life. Um, and so when I started doing well, I would go to dinner with friends. And they'd be like, do you need me to get your foot bill? I can help you out. And I'd be like, dang, I got some money. <laughs> you know, I go somewhere with my mom and they'd be like, oh, I wish, I remember I one aunt was at, a, we, were at a, we were at a Christmas function. Now our family, we do corporate vacations. Like, okay. like 30, 40 of us deep, it's a business write-off. We all go on a cruise, we do some stuff, whatever. So anyway, I'm there and I'm sitting at the table and one of my aunts goes, well, you know, girl, if you get a husband, he gonna need you to have a job to help him out. <laughs> And I slammed the fork down. I turned my head. I said, well, if he was a real husband, he wouldn't need me to have a job because he wouldn't need no roommate. And so everybody was like, oh my God, Erica, right? So then I had like one other incident where somebody was like, you know, I wish you used some of all that smarts you got. And I had to stand up and say, I made half a million dollars this year. I wish you used some of them smarts you got, right? You know, people are like, man, are you crapping on your own people? And I'm like, nah, because, you know, it, it isn't, you're always in their mind, nine-year-old little Erica, nine-year-old right. little Jerome, right. nine-year-old Jeff. You don't know better. Right. Even though your life may prove that you, you've done better, you had better choices, you made better consequences, you know, they still view you in that one particular way. Mm. Even in the Bible, it says a prophet isn't a, uh, isn't a hero in his own town. And I'm just right. paraphrasing it terribly. But you can yeah. Google it, the actual verse. For sure, for and sure. It's true. Because they can't let go of that view. Like, right? I tell people I'm from Fayetteville. Even though I'm a military kid, I live in Alaska, live other places. I say Fayetteville, North Carolina. People are like, oh, Fayetteville's a terrible place. <laughs> well, am I a terrible person? No. Right. I think there are a bunch of cops. Are they terrible people? No. Then right. what makes you think it's okay for you to say that? Right, right, right. right. So, so again, people get, people get into saying stuff that's out of pocket, so. Mm, Fayetteville, that's J. Cole territory, right? The rapper J. Exactly. Cole? Exactly, and J. Cole lived beside the wealthy people in town. So you're like, even when J. Cole rapped, you'd be like, J. Cole, baby. <laughs> baby, come on now, come on. Don't even try. Come on, man. It's crazy. Oh, man. Love him to death. He's a valedictorian. See, nobody wants to talk about the fact that J. Cole came out of Fayetteville. And mm. he's a valedictorian. Went to college and was a valedictorian. Mm. That was a genius. Mm. Right? That's you, a fact. You, you, you know what I mean? But That's again, you're viewing him from the eyes of, he's from Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> That's Vietnam. a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. Wow. Um, you know, 
thank you so much um, because you've dropped so much value on us um, and so many different perspectives and so much different businesses. I mean, it's really dope from, from, from trucking to real estate to the YouTube thing. I mean, um, and this is what, you know, we need to start getting into, really start um, diversifying ourselves, getting into different businesses and take advantage of these opportunities. Um, you know, because like they say, man, right now is probably the best time to be living, man, as far as from a, a, a capitalistic standpoint, like yeah. there's so many opportunities right now to make money and to position yourself for financial freedom. It's, it's amazing. And you're definitely a, an example of that. So um, I definitely appreciate you for coming on the show. Um, before before we kind of end it, I want you to just kind of give everybody your final thought, leave them mm -hmm. with a jewel or something to take away. And, um, you know, then just let everybody know where they can connect with you and, um, you know, get the planner, so forth and so on. Just finish us off with that. Hey, everybody, this is your girl Erica from the Classy Climb blog. Listen, my final thought of the day on this interview, and thank you for interviewing me, I really appreciate it, um, is you guys, there is no limits. It, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, all that is in your mind. If you have watched this video or you've watched any of the people interviewed on this podcast, we're all the same. You can get up and do it today if you decide. And it's all decision-based. So if you make a decision that you're going to buy a truck in two weeks and get your driver on the road in two weeks, it can happen. It's not impossible. Someone else has done it. You can do it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I collected over 12 trucks in the first, from January to about October. It's possible, mm -hmm. right? There's money out there. There's opportunity out there. Don't limit yourself. Wow, wow. Definitely. Oh, uh, where can powerful. they find me? And and where can they find you? Yeah. If, they, if they don't know, if they don't know already, because you know everybody knows knows you, Erica. But for the people who are new to you, where can they find you? Man, right now your girl's on a three month vacation. But guess what? We got so much great videos coming, pre recorded, all kind of cool stuff showing some of the vacation and trips we went on last year. That'll be on YouTube. Erica Williams on YouTube. Um, you can also find me as Erica's Classy Climb on Instagram. If you just type Erica, E-R-C-K with the S, man, I'm the number two Erica that pops up on Instagram. Mm. It's just like that. Mm. So, there we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. You can find me there. But, you know, so basically the planner, if this is January, you can start fresh today. Okay. You grab that planner, you will tackle your next 90 days. You'll get so much traction. I don't have to oversell it to you because you know it's time for growth. You know it's time for change. So grab that planner. Get yourself ready to go. And if you're looking to grow a business via the power of the cell phone, YouTube, man, come on over and find me. No doubt. YouTube money, Miss Erica Williams, Erica Classy Climb. Thank you so much for joining me today on Truck and Hustle. Really, really appreciate it, man. Thank I you so much. Thank you Thank so you. much. All right. You take care of yourself. All right, Erica? If you like what you heard, it's only going to get better. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment. Let us know what you want to learn or hear more about. Till next time, love is love, truck and hustle.